everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reefum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So I'm really excited on today's show. I welcome Richard back from the Aficionado channel, Reese.com, as well as Clean Waterways. So what's up, Richard, man? Thanks for coming back. You were on last year. Keith, thanks. Yeah, I know, right? Thanks for having me. It's always good to see you and your followers. And good to be here just to talk about some of the few things that I've been up to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I mentioned, you were on the show last year and we're going to talk about, um, you know, and we talked about a number of things last year, but on today's live stream, we're going to focus more on on this clean waterways project that you're involved with. And and um, But before we we get into that stuff, I want to take care of a little business. We have a, a couple of new sponsors. I'm pointing the opposite way that actually uh, the, the logo is on, on my screen here, but I'm really, really uh, stoked to have both Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine on board as my new sponsors for the show. They're two great companies. I'm, I'm a big cus customer of both, so really, really uh, psyched that they're supporting the show and, and that they're on board. And hey, I also appreciate all the folks out there that have been tuning in and making all this possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I see some familiar faces out there. Great Bearded Reef is uh, on the stream. Mike Johnson, Greg Carroll, what's up, Greg? Producer Reef, John Kidd, what's up, all folks? So, all right, let's. Um, well, let me let me say one last thing too. I think um, you guys are doing a great job in terms of hitting that like button. But please smash that like button if you haven't done so already, so we can get more folks to watch the uh, live stream. And as per usual, feel free to leave your comments in the chat questions for Richard or for myself are always welcome. So Richard, man, you're uh, you're a busy dude. You got a lot of things on your plate. Uh, I, I try to stay busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as you know, like in this industry, it's there's so many things going on. And then, you know, like I think a few years ago when I had an interview with Dr. Dr. Charlie Varon, he kind of left a profound like impact on me and saying that we have to be the ambassador for the hobby and for the greater world. And I, saw this, I just saw an opportunity to apply uh, aquarium technologies and bring it to, I guess, the real world scenarios. So I was like, you know what? I think this is a good chance to be a good ambassador, you know, and then just bring a chance to do something to make a change for the better. So for for the folks out there that don't know what clean waterways is now you you sent me a whole bunch of video and i think what i'm going to do is i'm going to yes. i'm going to roll that video um right now and that'll come up in about um 20 25 seconds but richard why don't, why don't you give everybody a real basic um you know as many details as you can in terms of what clean waterways is all about and how you got involved sure uh clean waterway is what well, for those of you guys who doesn't know where I'm in. Um, I live in close to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and we are called the Venice of U.S. because we have so many intricate small canalways built all around. And what they have done years ago when they're dredging and making these canalways is that they didn't plan this very, like, wisely. <laughs> and, you know, as you know, water flow is such important thing. And, you know, from our home aquarium, you, we, we know how important flow is. But a lot of these small canalways, um, the, like water flow is like almost non-existent. So a lot of the, you know, like the storm drain is bringing all this trash from the streets and et cetera, from commercial buildings and such. And it's just stagnating over there over the years. And it's just going downhill 
and everything is just crumbling. The whole ecosystem is basically crumbling. So basically, I got into a con I got in contact with uh, the owner of the company, and they were really excited to do. Uh, he had an aquaculture farm before, and he was like, you know, we had all these, you know, like fecal matters in the water. We can use a protein skimmer that I used in the in the aquaculture pond, you know, like to can we apply this in some way? And you know, like I, I was like, surely there has to be someone that's already doing this kind of work, right? But then we looked that up. No one was doing it. So, you know what? I was like, you know, I got into, I know that this scale is so big, you know? So even though it's a small canal way, the water volume total is such a big, big scale. So we reached out to the brightest minds of the industry, uh, Raj from MRC, um, Julian of Two Little Fishies, and Chris of ACI, and just countless other people. They were just so um, eager to help to better the environment and just to be part of it, you know? And we were able to come up with uh, three smaller size skimmers that's properly appropriately sized for this application and create a 30 foot barge. And, uh, and then we offered a city uh, pilot program. And then we've been just putting like, we've been, we've been working about a few months now just to put, uh, pull the pollutants out of the water. As you guys know, from having a protein skimmer in your aquarium, it pulls out a lot of stuff from, you know, nitrate phosphate, you know, I mean, any, anything from feces and stuff like that to control your nutrients, right? And then it's been doing an excellent job in doing that. And then while we were pulling out all these, you know, fecal matters and other stuff, we've been finding out we, it's also pulling out stuff like, um, like cocaine <laughs> oh. and other, yeah, uh, gas and grease and stuff like oil and so many other stuff that, that we didn't account for, you know, and then it's it's making such a difference and the byproduct of of all of this has been just just outstanding experience so far and then uh i guess we'll we'll share that a little more as as we uh progress with this interview sorry i got a little chatty there <laughs> no that's quite all right so so you reached out you you kind of got the ball rolling on this thing did well um they they came to me and asked uh you know like who can we uh, like, what kind of team can we put together? Do you know any scientists? So I recommended a few people. I consulted with them before I, I was hired in this company. And I mainly did it, like, you know, as a pro bono, as a, as a free of charge kind of thing, because I believe in the project. I wanted to help them to make a difference in the world. And then I guess they saw the value in my inputs and my work. And then when they offered, I didn't have a second hesitation. And I just jumped in both feet fast. So what's your official uh, role or title with, with Clean Waterways? Um, I'm a director of products uh, because basically I kind of designed the barge using all the products and et cetera and see what works, what doesn't work, and how we could make it a little bit more efficient and, uh, and to train everybody on the barge to be kind of like self-sufficient so that even when the I'm not there, they know how to operate a skimmer because we have to constantly change the knobs because of incoming tides, you know, like the low tides, high tides, change of salinity. I mean, that's something that we could we could talk about later because salinity changes and during tides are just astronomical. So that impacts the skimming in terms of so there 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 needs to be somebody there to kind of account for that stuff and make adjustments. What um so this this company was actually formed for this project or was Clean Waterways already a company that um was out there? No, this was actually just formed for this project. Wow. 
And how many people right now are on the uh, on the project? I believe we we have about eleven people. Wow. Okay. So, is this something that's going on like twenty four seven? Is 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 the barge um, you know pretty much operate operational all the time, or is is it running shifts? Uh, it does run in shifts. We, unfortunately, we can't run 24 hours a day because we are, are in the middle of the water. Uh, we don't have electricity running all the time, so we have to run generators. But thing is, even the, the I guess, the generators, I mean, they, they're loud. Even if the, the ones that say these are the most quietest one in the market, you could still see, you know, 50, 60 de decibels. That's like seven meters away, <laughs> but it's still relatively loud. So we don't want to be a nuisance to the, all the people that's over there, uh, that's living over there, residents. So we run anywhere. Uh, we run from eight o'clock to six o'clock every day. And, you know, okay. So one thing on the video that, that folks didn't, um, you know, we didn't have any sound on the video. I, I took the sound out of the video you sent me, Richard. So yeah. it's, it's no, noisy. No, no, it makes, it, it makes a lot of noise. Is, is that an issue in terms of, uh, you know, you guys are going for certain, you know, hours during the day and what have you, but have neighbors complained about it in terms of the uh, disruption? No, uh, fortunately we had zero uh, complaints. However, I mean, like it's actually contrary. A lot of people have seen, because we've been covered by all the major medias, uh, news media outlets and uh, everybody had, a lot of people came out to see what we we're about. And they were just so appreciative of what we we're doing because they're starting to notice a difference already. So zero complaints so far. <laughs> Good. Now, how, how big of an area are we talking about? This is a, a specific canal, right, in Fort Lauderdale that yes. uh, you guys are working yes. on? Yes. This canal is actually possibly one of the most filthiest uh, canal in Fort Lauderdale. This is where we had uh, a spill um, infrastructure failure. And they where they had like millions of uh, hundreds of gallons of uh, millions of gallons of uh, straight feces. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm not showing a picture of feces. I'm I'm showing a picture. You a couple of pictures you sent me of the garbage that's been collected there. So. Oh yeah. Thank you yeah. for not sending well, me uh, pictures of feces. <laughs> right, right. No, the garbage and stuff like that. Uh, we have a we do have some downtime, and then when we have downtime, I have the guys to collect garbages that's floating in the water, because you know, like I mean. We're there, so we should, we're there to clean the water. Not only what's in the water, but actually what's on top of them as well. So I have the guys to do it. We roughly remove over, I mean, average about 100 pounds of trash every week. Jeez. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a problem. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's disheartening in a way uh, to see that much trash every week. I mean, but also I also keep in mind that, that is by the downtown uh, – uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is hot tourist spot. So, you know, like, I mean, it was kind of expected. It's like South Beach of Miami. You know, you'll see trash there all the time, regardless how many times they clean it throughout the day. So we got a couple of comments. John Dahl's uh, comment is good on you for taking up the cleaning effort. And Flippers Reef is wondering, are there plans to make this a permanent installation? So right now we have, we are dealing, okay, so in order to be, even working in these cities and stuff like that, we have to not only pass the city's regulations, but we have to also pass the Florida's regulations as well. So there's a lot of three-letter government agencies that, that we have to jump through, all the hurdles. We have to deal with their scientists to be effective. Um, so 
right now, like right what we're doing, because we only have one barge and I know that they, you know, like everybody is, you know, like right now, especially in the, during the COVID time is money is very tight. Yeah. Right. So like that's the same thing for the government too. So like we make, we work with their scientists and what we do is, you know, like we work one spot until we see a drastic improvements of, you know, like, you know, bacteria, um, coliform bacteria levels going down and dissolved oxygen is coming, levels coming back up, pH level going back up. You know, once we notice that and then they, they give us okay to move on, then we slowly start to move the barge upwards to uh, where this, you know, we're super filthy. And then we just filter out that, that area again and then just move up continually until we're done. How, how many, um, I mean, what's, what kind of like size area can those protein skimmers handle in terms of like, I don't know, I, I can't. I can't um, wrap my hands around in terms of how many gallons it's processing, but in terms of let's talk about like square yeah. square feet, square footage or something like that. How big of an area can it so, clean up? You know, that's actually a very good point. A lot of people, they don't realize the scale of, of what we're doing. And they just look at it like that's too small of a skimmer to make a dent in an area of that big. First, like the common misconception was that we're not trying to fill out the whole ocean. You know, so our barge, there's literally only two can fit in that whole like canal way. So basically we have one, we measured it and we made the barge according to that size. So we made a size where boat could pass us by without any issues, yep. right? And um, when we go to a commercial scale where we're talking about in like, like huge gallons of uh, uh, body of water, we don't go for like gallons per hour, like how we do in the hobby. You know, like for example, like, RK2 or something like that with those big tall skimmers in uh, wholesale facilities or whatever. They're like, I don't know, like 1500 gallons per hour, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, what we use, what we have to do is we have to go by gallons per minute in order to be just effective, just to be even approved by like criteria, you know, and uh, gallons per minute per skimmer has to be a minimum of 500 per minute, but we go by almost a thousand gallons per minute just to be effective because like I mentioned earlier, salinity is a big factor, especially when they open all that floodgates for the storm drains and stuff like that. Yeah. If salinity goes down as low as four, wow. four PPT, it is super low. And then we still skim. We're still able to skim at those times. And uh, I mean, just to give it as a perspective, I mean, like a, a thousand gallons per minute is like what, 60,000 gallons per hour. And one of, we have multiple pumps powering these skimmers. And one of them is a business, you know, a business top of the line pump from Germany. Alex is a fantastic guy. I reached out to him for his, for help. And then the, one of the pump that we run is one of his is 18,000 gallons per hour pump. It is absolutely beast. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> but I mean, that's what makes us effective in terms of effective, because that's what the scientists, they look for what amount of water that we're moving. So, um, who gets the great job of cleaning out those skimmer cups? I mean, uh, you're talking about human feces and whatnot. Uh, hopefully you're not scooping human yeah. poop out of those things. Actually, we, um, you know, for my philosophy and in, in the thing is that it doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if you're <laughs> just a technician. Everybody has to touch it. <laughs> because thing is that we do have uh, automatic cleaners. But thing is that every time you clean those skimmers, they, they put six gallons of fresh water in there and it dilutes our samples. So mm -hmm. that's no good. So I, I told them, you know what, we're, we're just going to clean everything by hand. And you know what, that's, that's part of the job that we do. And then we have to give accurate results to the state. So, I mean, like, for example, state, the city and the state never had this much data 
Uh, we have a, a controlling uh, controller on board as well. We do a manual test and then we have a lab test and then we have uh, Apex installed in, into our barge that gives us data like 24 hours a day. And then we send them to the city and they never had like that kind of data before. So they're seeing all the trends and stuff like that and correlations with it, all the events and such. How, how easy is it to move that barge up and down the uh, the canal? Is it pretty much anchored in one spot or, um, you know, in, in terms of the tide kind of coming in and out and that's pretty much getting the whole volume of water in that canal through, you know, processed on that barge? Is that kind of the thinking? It's it's kind of anchored in. Um, it's kind of anchored in. Um, we have every barge will have like a pulse on each side of the, each end of the, the barge. So then we lower those and we kind of anchor ourselves in a place. But before we do it and such, we have to make sure that there's nothing underneath it, like no seagrasses and stuff like that, or no reef. I mean, luckily for us, we didn't have to worry because everything in our canal was completely dead. <laughs> completely. No, there was no life there whatsoever. So that made it easier for us. But we do have uh, precautions and in, in, in everything in place just to make sure that everything, we're not disturbing any ecosystems. So uh, our buddy Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture joined the stream. What's up, there, hey. uh, Chris? So, so Richard, you mentioned that Chris helped out and and uh, Julian was consulted. What what uh, what did these folks do in terms of um, you know helping out consulting with the project specifically? You know, thing is that they have such uh, uh, like a mountain of you know like uh, knowledge. You know, like so like whenever we have I have run into a situation. You know, for example, like with Chris. You know, like we're having issue with, you know, like, like, what do we do with such a low flow area? And then he's like saying like, well, then we could kind of like try to redirect flows in certain ways, you know, so that with the incoming tide and outgoing tide, we kind of flow things differently so that we could kind of like work with the nature, you know, but also that we also create from going above that, we created a little work workstation with the booms and we closed out certain areas. And then we used the flow in our in that area to clean. And that was, you know, like I integrated from Chris's idea into I added a little bit more and then made it a little bit mine. With Julian, um, I was kind of puzzled because this work area is pH is so chronically low. I mean, you would not believe it how low it is. I mean, at, on average, you're looking at around like 7.5 pH mm. on an outdoor setting. That's not good for growing SPS. Like, Right. Yeah. Right. And I was like 7.5. I'm like, I've seen as low as before at 7.39 like or something like that. I'm like, how does it get so low? And then Julian's like, well, you know, he's a mangrove master. And this is actually one of the uh, mangrove uh, reserves, preserve. You can't touch anything there. And then everything is like just all you see is mangrove. Right. And if you've seen like Amazonian tanks and some of the freshwater tanks, people keep their water like in a brownish color. Right. Yep. It's like when you drink iced tea, how it gets, it's brown is because the leaves, they produce tannins, right? Yep. And then the mangroves are one of the most tannin producing plants in the world. I had no idea about that. And uh, those tannins, when enough of it, it, it causes a tannic acid and it also brings down pH. And then so with the, in the correlation of low, very low oxygen level that's in the water because of all the pollution, um, along with all the tannic acid that's in the water, it's driving the pH down all the way. So that was a, something that I figured out uh, after conversing with Julian. So like they're just shooting off all these things in me. I'm like just absorbing like a sponge and trying to try to apply this into our into our barge. So in, in terms of doing some research on this uh, 
Project Richard, I saw that you guys, you know, started off with a two-week pilot program. So obviously that the mm -hmm. pilot program was a success because it's a, it's still ongoing, right? What's So what's the immediate plan right. uh, at this point? Well, we are planning to, well, clean this whole canalway first. And second of all, then, then it branches off in so many different parts uh, of it uh, in Fort Lauderdale. So we want to clean the most affected parts that had the infrastructure issues where they had a whole bunch of just raw sewage in there. And we want to clean those areas because I see people kayaking, swimming, and fishing there all the time. And it just, I mean, just knowing what's in there, it just bothers me. And especially, you know, it's like, I believe it's like Florida way of living, you know, like kids just jumping in the water and swimming and stuff like that, you know? And it's, it's, I want to do something to give it, you know, give that back. So that's not taken from me. You know, so I wanted to do more and then clean up the four. Four Lauderdale is our top priority right now. And then from then on, move on to different cities. Uh, we do have applications for uh, freshwater as well. Uh, there's a there's actually there's I was surprised to find out there's actually freshwater skimmers out there. Huh. That's from. Uh, yeah, that's that, that derived from a koi pond, uh, like koi ponds and such. But the, we are designing something that's that's effective in uh, a lot of a freshwater area where they have skeletons and stuff like that to clean and to raise oxygen levels. Because, you know, like protein skimmers, you know, foam fractionating is all used to using oxygen to, to clean, you know, like, you know, airs and stuff like that. You know, that's so we're raising dr drastically uh, amount of pH and dissolved oxygen levels in the water because of the, the method that we're utilizing and use the clean water. Uh, I mean, using that to clean the fresh water as well as my end game, I guess, is I really want to do something big. Uh, you know, like I want to do something with Lake Okeechobee. I think that's like number one goal for me because I feel that a lot of the big sugar and stuff like that has been dumping out too much nitrate, nitrates and phosphates using their fertilizers into the water. And I think we can use this technology if scaled correctly and and positioned correctly, we could do uh, do some damage and then reduce the amount of red tides that are occurring in Florida. So a couple comments in the chat here. I see Chris, uh, Greg uh, Carroll is uh, doing a serious uh, advocating of the uh, thumbs up on the uh, live stream, so everybody can can uh, smash that like button. Like Greg is asking, and I'm asking, that would be awesome because more people will be finding this uh, live stream. Uh, Amanda Meckley is asking, what kind of crazy things uh, have you been finding in the waterways? That's that's an interesting question. Any, anything um, really bizarre? Uh, anything that I've been finding in the water? Any, any, no, I'm sorry, uh, I, I didn't hear the question. Um, what crazy things have you been finding in the waterways? Crazy things. Anything crazy? Well, well, Besides cocaine. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, level of that, how high amount of drugs that was finding we were finding in the in the waterway that was kind of shocking for me but but I, <laughs> but i mean one thing that really shocked me in general was how low the oxygen level was in the water because we we're expecting the fish and wildlife to survive in these waters but there's no oxygen in the water you know so that that was one thing that was really shocking to me i'm showing a picture of the uh of, i guess it's called the uh um boon boom with that uh, you put across to to block certain things from crossing the uh, leaving the water. It, it's I don't know what the terminology. I think it is a something 
called a boom, but it's showing a lot of oily residue and, and a slick, and it just looks pretty darn disgusting. Um, yeah. Yeah, so basically what we do is uh, we create this work area, workstations, you know, using what we call booms, and then we block out that area. And then, you know, like, you know, when we have a fish tanks, we know where all the, you know, like things, detritus and all the bad stuff settled to in our sediments and in, like, you know, in our substrates, you know, like rocks, sand and stuff like that, right? And if I just clean the water, if an incoming tide is coming in, even if it's just a little bit, that fresh water will get dirty in no time because everything else around that environment is dirty, right? So I, you know, like way me along with my buddy 20, uh, Shane of 24-7 Aquariums and, and such, we came up with an idea to close up certain areas and stir up the sediments and then put the ink, uh, skimmer intake right on it. So we're sucking up all the that gunk as well as sulfate in the water so that first we'll have the sand, you know, color of the sand back instead of just that black gunk that's just sitting there. And whenever the new fresh water is coming in, then we'll have the water will remain fresh until it gets dirty again. So, you know, in, in right right now you guys have one barge, right? And you're working on one canal. So I'm going to assume that this is also an issue in other canals in Fort Lauderdale. Is, is that a correct assumption that uh, there's other canals that could also use this type of um, cleanup? Yes, there is actually not only for a lot of the, but a lot of uh, waterways in Florida in general needs needs our help. Um, there's a lot of great companies out there that's actually trying to do something about it. Key West just uh, recently started uh, a project with just just the bubbles. Um, they're being like they're putting oxygen back into the water, and because that micro bubble is so small. Their theory is that it will uh, be effective on reducing algae and stuff like that out of the out of the water. Um, and the one thing that I've been telling uh, the city officials, because we had multiple city officials coming out and checking out our system and such, and having presentations for all of them, uh, what I've been telling them is, like we do, we produce a lot of the oxygen as well because our technology is based on oxygen. We use, you know, like venturi pumps that we commonly use in our skimmer, you know? It's like you can see when, when you turn your skimmer on, all that air bubbles are coming up. That's right. all air, you know? So we're using air to do it, and the output of the air, what comes out, it's, it, the oxygen level just, just jumps up. You know, for example, I mean, we talked about it briefly before the show. Uh, we have a third party. Florida, state of Florida hired a, a third party lab to come out and test every single canal waste of South Florida once a week. You know, and they check for oxygen levels as well as coliform bacteria levels and like, you know, many other stuff. And it's it's <laughs> and it's 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 a lot of the places are just bad all across the board, you know. And uh, I mean, I guess I guess we could use this as a spoiler, I guess. <laughs> but ever since the, we had the infrastructure failure uh, a few years ago, uh, we never that that canal way never had a passing grade ever. I think I sent you a picture of that as well, uh, Keith. But uh, on that one, you can see that it's uh, it's we got green for the first time in years. Yeah. And no, I mean that's that's impressive, man. Because kind of like looking at the pictures in terms of what you were dealing with in terms of the before versus uh, the, you know the after. You know, in, in the video that uh, you provided to me, we and you know I was showing it. I think the latter part of that video, they were showing a lot of um, you know aquatic life that was now in the canal. And I'm assuming that wasn't the case when the project started. 
Right, right. Um, for example, I mean, that's that's an excellent. Uh, for me, yeah, that's visually very, uh, you know, like positive thing because you know, like, you know, like when the the dissolved oxygen level is so low that that we know that life will have a hard time surviving, and then you know, like when the life is starting to come back after a few weeks because of the improved conditions, um, it's very encouraging. Um, you know, like a lot of local fishermen, they gave up this canal. Uh, on finding bait fish, like uh, a lot of the fishermen, they use this fish called mullet, and a lot of times they they migrate from, I believe, from North Carolina, and then they they migrate all the way down, and they use this fish to catch like snooks and and other big bigger fish that are native to Florida, and they those start those fish start to come like crazy to our area barge, and then they're like I sent you a picture where they're they're eating the algae off of. Our, our ropes that where we used to, to tie down our barge, I mean, the barge and the um, booms and such, they're eating all the algae off of it. We have in like, you know, like, um, you know, like we have like inverts, like crabs and such that's that's coming back to the area. And then those small fish and small, like, you know, animals are bringing in turn, like a bigger fish, you know, like snooks. Uh, we have like barracudas coming in, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very encouraging and very rewarding to, to see, your work, you know, like you can see that you know, when when you see an animal, you, you just you kind of. I feel very rewarded by it. What what's your hope in terms of the uh, you know I guess it's the it's the city right now, right? In terms of Fort Lauderdale that is mm -hmm. um, you know sponsoring the uh, the project, or at least helping to uh, to fund the project. What what's the hope? Is is that the you know you'll you'll have some metrics where you'll be able to prove the success and then uh, widen this um, throughout the state. Right. Um, yeah, that's the that's the end game. You know, like we want to we want to you know work with more cities and then more uh, first more cities and more you know more states and then you know like down the road. I mean, just just expand. You know, because there's a lot of waterways and such. You know, like that that can that that can utilize our services. You know, and a lot of people they they just look at oceans and waterways as a big filter. And, you know, they could only take so much before, you know, before they go, they go bad, you know, and I want to, I, I want to, that's what I keep pushing to the people and hopefully it will come across and, you know, like make them think and hopefully change their mind. Cause you know, like they're not like you and me, uh, we're hobbyists. So we kind of see these things, you know, but you know, they, they don't have a tank. They don't, they don't really pay attention to these kind of things, but hopefully it will. Well, I think, you know, enough folks will, uh, will realize, I think I saw one comment before in terms of whether or not there's any manatees in these canals. And I assume that there are manatees, but probably no manatees in, in that uh, canal that you guys were working on when this project started. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, Florida is a big place in terms of, uh, fishing. And if, and if, uh, you start crossing off certain areas of the uh, canal system in terms of fishing, and that's going to kind of get people to, you know, wonder, hey, how can I, how can I do something to help kind of turn this around? And, and I think that's, um, you know, it's right. It's, it's good to have a broader interest in that sense. And, you know, certainly, yeah, we're, we're all uh, reef keepers on this uh, live stream and that's, that's our hobby. But I think it's pretty awesome, Richard, that you're able to kind of turn your um, expertise into something that's, you know, helpful beyond reef keeping and, and to help the environment. Because I think sometimes uh, reef keeping might get a bad rap, right? In terms of, uh, well, aren't you guys, um, you know, potentially destroying the reefs? Well, that's not really the case. So, you know, I think this is also another example. Right. Could... No, we get the bad rep. 
Yeah, no, we absolutely, you're absolutely right. We we get the bad rep because we're out of the all the lobbyist group. We're the poorest one. No one no one is there to stand up for us. You know, so in the end, money talks, and those people who have the bigger pockets, they you know they get to point fingers and say that's your fault. You know, so this is. But hopefully, this will this will we go ahead. Go finish your thought. No, hopefully this will this will you know like advocating for 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 the hobby and you know like the people knowing that this this technology came from the aquarium hobby uh, will shine a better light onto the aquarium hobby overall. Every interviews that I have I've given for all the national as well as local, um, all the headline has been aquarium technology. You know, so I'm trying to hard to bring a positive light and influence towards the towards the industry and the hobby. And hopefully, you know, like people will start to see it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So this is an interesting question by Flippers Reef. Can this help with the red tide issues down there? Sure. How so? I believe I believe that it can because the thing is, is think about it this way. Because, you know, red tide is ca um, caused by an algae, right? And uh, what does algae need to survive? You know, they eat, they eat nutrients, you know, phosphate and nitrate, right? Remove the you know a lot of the phosphate and nitrate that's that's used in fertilizers by you know different I don't know like like I don't want to name any sugar plants or anything like that but you know like if they use you know we suck up all the nitrate and phosphate and I think it's gonna feed give them a less fuel to grow basically so we won't have as much at least my opinion is that we won't have a much of a reoccurrence of them because red tide is a natural naturally occurring event. But I feel that because we are putting so much you know, nutrients in the water, it happens more often. But I think that if we do something about it to reduce it to a point, like dramatically, hopefully, if we do it to that much, then, then it will help. That is my How hope. much do you think global warming is uh, having an impact on all of this stuff, you know, in terms of um, pollutants in the waterways and what have you? Is it just, you know, obviously the, the higher the temperatures is not a good thing for, um, you know, reef, you know, ecosystems. Right. So is, is that, uh, kind of accelerated this, uh, this issue in terms of, uh, you know, there being problems with, uh, pollutants in the waterways? Well, I mean, you know, higher temperature and such will bring also like a, a lower, lower pH, uh, you know, acidic water is not good for, for any marine animals that I'm aware of, you know? So I think it does affect them. So, I mean, it's that's that's a that's a very big <laughs> question. That's hard, but, um, hard I, to answer. In, in a short, in a short, I, yeah, yeah. But I do think that it does impact, and we should, regardless of you know how small we may feel that we are, uh, we should do our part individually and as a group to 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 help our oceans and stop the glo uh, global warming. So uh, Chris Meckley is suggesting dosing uh, some cockwasser. Chris, why don't you uh, help help Richard out and, and, and get, get, <laughs> get a 500-gallon uh, drum of cockwasser and start dripping it into the canal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, uh, there are so many things that's available in the hobby that I learned over the years that, you know, that could help, but the the, the – the government agencies are so careful on what the, I mean, for example, we are not allowed to put anything into the ocean, anything. So the only way for us to do it, you know, because for us, it'll be much effective if we could have ozone inside the skimmer, 
can't do it. But because still it's, it's gas, you were not allowed to do it. I was like, but it's naturally occurring every time it rains. And it's Florida. It always rains. We always have ozone. And ozone gets dissipated by sun's UV in a matter of a minute or so. You know, as soon as it's exposed, it just dissipates. It's such a volatile gas. You know, it goes away. But And it's not going to harm anything. But I don't know. It's, it's something that we have to fight tooth and nail just to <laughs> is, apply. Is, is that... But yes, Chris. Call closer. Is, is, so has that been one of the challenges is, is dealing with, you know, um, I'm not going to say politicians, but but people in, in uh, government. Is is that been um, something that has, uh, you know, made it uh, tough to act quickly? Or, or have you guys been pretty nimble and, and, and had some good cooperation from the uh, city? Uh, we had very good cooperation so far. I mean, yes, there are regulations, but I also understand that there are put there for a place for a reason. So, so you know, with that in mind, we try to work around it or with with them as best as possible. And luckily, our our company's um, lawyer is excellent in dealing with government officials. So we just leave all that to him, and we were able to just concentrate on our work. What about the things that you guys cannot control? And that is, you know, there was a sewage spill in that canal and, and, you know, you talked about, um, you've got mm-hmm. events where you could have some flooding and some rain events that could really, um, you know, change things up very quickly. Yeah. What, um, what are you guys doing on that, mm-hmm. that side of the equation? And are, are you trying to like get, um, uh, you know, get the city just to advocate, uh, for, for what you guys are doing and, and just try to like, um, you know, make sure that those types of, well, you know, weather is something that they can't control, but there's um, obviously infrastructure questions right. in terms of whether or not uh, things are aging and, and yeah. can cause potential sewage spills. Yeah. Any, anything being done on that front to try right. to um, prevent these types of spills? Um, the infrastructure, yeah, infrastructure for, from my knowledge, is that something that they're looking looking at very actively right now to replace because they had in place they place these metal uh, infrastructure, hoping, thinking they're estimating 50 years. It will last 50 years, but it came nowhere near it. And because you know salt water is very corrosive, it's been very, very harsh, hard on all these metals and stuff like that. And that's why it caused leaks and such. But they are coming out with the. I know that they allocated funds separately just to repair all these things. And uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, I, I like to see them done you know before before they, there's another spillways because you know it's such, such a it's devastating sight to see you know so flippers reef comment is uh, if this can prove the impact on the health of the canals permanent cleaning stations look to be the long-term solution so hopefully that is uh that is what what i would, I would assume that's kind of like what your end game is right uh, richard well what we're what we're trying to do is is you know like um, after we clean it up, up to a certain point where we could you see our CFO of the company is the president of uh, Oyster Restoration Foundation of uh, Florida. So, you know, we're not saying this is the, the sure method to do clean, fix all the, you know, the illness of the ocean, you know, but this is enough to like a jumpstart the nature uh, to basically like have them give them a fighting chance back to going back to where it was before by allowing things to come back, such as oysters, you know, like bivalves and, you know, like seagrass and other type of algae to to absorb all the nutrient that's being created by us, right? 
Um, and what we want to do is after we clean everything up, we, you know, like clean all the sand and, you know, sediments off the floor, pollutants off the floor. What I want to do is I want to leave in, in deep, I create like a, something like a system where we put mini stuff, you know, that's self running yeah. mini stuff, mini, you know, support system. And then, you know, we come in like once a week or something like that and clean everything up and tune it and then just keep on going. Or maybe like, I don't know, it's something that is it's something that we are currently actively working uh, for because I don't want to just clean the water and just leave because I know that's going to get dirty in no time, you know, because people, you know, in a tourist area, people get, you know, it's not as they're careless. <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to be more cautious with the word that I use here, but, but you know, like it's a lot of people, they, they're, they're, they don't care as much, you know, it's when it's tourist places and it's just gets trashy, like crazy. So I want to put, put something in system so that it continues to clean even when I so how how can uh, we as reef keepers we as uh, citizens help you guys uh, spread the word or support this uh, this cause Richard well I mean if you guys could you know spread the you know spread the I guess spread it is you know like just putting out the awareness I think that would help us greatly uh, you know and also writing to your elected officials uh, saying like, you know, hey, this is another option that you guys could utilize, and why, you know, that would definitely help. Uh, you know, like I said before, uh, previous to the video, um, you know, like dissolved oxygen uh, that was recorded from not from us, but from a third-party lab that was hired by the state. It was reading like in twenties, you know, and then once we came in, it was like sixties and seventies, and sometimes up to a hundred on dissolved oxygen levels. So I mean, it's 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 something that that all the life around it can benefit from so i i think it's definitely something that they should they should look into well folks yeah i think we could all kind of do our part to kind of like help spread the word that this is a uh, a project uh, is it would you still call it a pilot project or is it uh, out of that pilot uh, project stage no it's not yeah Yes, okay. we're out of the pilot now. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think I think it's certainly uh, worthwhile talking about this, and and uh, you know, if there's uh, issues locally where you folks are at that um, you know need attention, I think this is a great thing to point to in terms of a potential way to uh, to help. And I don't know if, if you guys uh, you know have the bandwidth at this point to help other uh, parts of the uh, the U.S., but at least you know get the word out that this kind of technology is out there. I think that'll be a great thing. Did did I miss anything, uh, Richard? Anything else you wanted to talk about on uh, about clean waterways before we uh, talk about some other reef-related things? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, let's see. I think you pretty much covered it, and I'm sorry that I, I went off tangents. I had so many things to, I guess, talk about in my head. I, I wasn't able to organize it as as much as I would have liked, and I kind of I think I feel like I rambled. Yeah, I, so ramble, I apologize man. for that. Um, um, but I know I, I think you pretty much covered um, it. Flippers, Flippers Reef is wondering: <laughs> Is there any effort in the uh, in educating the public down there? Sounds like uh, we need their help. Yeah, um, actually, we are uh, doing a lot of different um, activities like with the city. Um, they're coming out with their the media team and stuff like that to make a, a multiple different you know, writings as well as uh, as well as uh, videos and stuff like that too. To educate the locals over here in this area, and uh, and it's been it's been helping because a lot of people have been coming to the barge asking what this apparatus was and how does it work and etc. But you know it 
it, you know, that we could always use more help, you know? Oh, and then one other thing that was actually pretty uh, interesting was that, you know, these canalways for the most part, they're abandoned, right? Nobody really goes there unless you're kayaking or something like that. They're generally not really resident there, right? And then uh, what? one thing that we noticed that uh, was in early August, we had a, uh, we found uh, what we assume is a illegal spillway. An Ill- I, I, I sent you, you a picture of that um, you earlier. You cut out, Richard. An illegal what? Oh, illegal spillway. Uh, like uh, they had a, a commercial entity. Um, instead of using the proper channels of sewage, uh, we believe uh, they used uh, storm drain and put out a whole bunch of uh, gnarly chemicals. And then we were able to contain it using our booms and then take those things out. Uh, we notified our local authority right away. Surprisingly, we within 10 minutes, we had a Department of Justice branch on environmental. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called Environmental Criminal Division. They came out and they're, they did, had the body cam and everything. And then they did a dye test and they led it back to the source. And because it is in a, such a high ranked uh, you know, office in the, in the branch of the government, we're hoping that it will... It won't be just a slap on the wrist. We hope that it will uh, serve as a reminder and like not to do things illegally like this to destroy nature. So that that was actually something that was very cool. You know, like um, you know that that was particularly, I guess, rewarding experience that that we were able to catch it. Yeah, a little. You know, I mean, for God knows how long. I mean, I mean, we don't know how how long they've been doing this. You know, little CSI thing going on there, huh? Right, right. It's kind of so crazy. Jason Langer uh, comment question is: Is it possible to have uh, the skimmate analyze to show government what is the government what is being pulled from the water? Uh, it may show the after effects of certain projects that they allow, i.e., dredging. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. We actually once a week uh, certified lab. Uh, those are like super expensive, but our um, company's owner, he ha- he spares no expense when it comes to data. So he's been sending them and, and then like every, everything's been shared with the city and the state. So like they, they, they know exactly what we pull out from each uh, every week. So Jason uh, brings up something that's an interesting point in terms of dredging. Is, does a lot of dredging go on in these canals? And, and if so, does that uh, add to the problem? Yes, uh, because, you know, like, you know, when you have a really old tank, right? I mean, it does happen very often. But, you know, when you have an old tank and, you know, usually when you don't stir up the sand or anything like that, right? And then all of a sudden you stir up everything. It kills everything, right? Yeah. There's a lot of... Because of all the sulfate. A lot of toxins. Yeah. Exactly. Everything is released back into the water and then it's it's the wildlife and ecosystem that suffers. Same thing over here. When they do dredging and stuff like that, they just settle. I mean, they just pull everything out, stir everything up. And but they're they're not doing anything to clean that up, you know, yeah, filter that. So yeah, that that affects it. Yeah, it, it's it's a big problem. Um, all right. Well, listen, folks. Uh, if you have any other uh, questions or comments for for Richard, just put them in the uh, in the comments uh, section. I'm sure he will uh, peruse the uh, the video. Richard, what else is going on, man? With Fishionado Channel, Reese.com. What's what's happening with the uh, with your other uh, pursuits there? Well, it's been, it's, it's, you know, I have to admit that it's been slowed down a little bit, but uh, because of my, you know,
know, like all my focus being like laser focused into this project. However, um, I've been going down to, you know, like my roots, uh, which was, you know, like always my number one goal for me was to help others. Right. And educate. So I've been actually helping a lot uh, with a local school. Schools. Um, so we're setting up, uh, we're revamping a lot of those school projects because a lot of schools that I have seen, they hired somebody and, you know, like usually the cheapest isn't the best. Yeah. <laughs> and we, 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 we should know this. And, and a lot of times I see it and they're like, oh, Rich, you know, like, they're like Richard, you know, like we, we noticed that somebody came and plumbed our system. And after that, every single time we had a power outage, which happens like once a day or something like that. And, and if, whenever we, the power goes out, we flood our tank floods and uh, we just keep adding water and fish dyes. And I just check and salinity was like the low hypo salinity level because yeah. they just keep putting RO water back yeah. when they lose salt water. That's you know, good. so I'm like, oh, okay. And then luckily, you know, like, oh, it's terrible. And, you know, like it's that creates mold and, you know, and it's, it's bad for the, the people in the front office because that's where the front, the tanks were in the front office. And, you know, that's bad for the people that's coming in and the children. And this, you know, so it's like, uh, I'm going back to my roots and then just, just, you know, volunteering and then having different classes available for little kids. That's awesome. Because, you know, like my, and my end game that I, I want to do is I want to influence somebody to, uh, to become the next Julian Sprung, you know, in our hobby. That's very ambitious uh, goal because, you know, like Julian, you know, is such a, such a great, amazing guy that brought and contributed so much into our hobby, you know? As as much as I want him to live forever, I know that's not that won't be the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm. My hope is to inspire a uh, next generation of people, and, and in hopes that one of them will turn out like him. And I think that's I'll be you know I'll be satisfied if I just find somebody that somebody that was influenced by me to become that level that he is right now. That's uh that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh I think. I think it's great to try to get uh, more young people involved in the hobby. It's, it is the future of the hobby. Really, it is. You know, and, and uh, absolutely get them, uh, jazzed yeah. up. So what, uh, what's going on in terms of the, uh, the trade show uh, circuit? The last time I saw you was a wrap in uh, New York in in June. Right, right, yeah, right. How, uh, that was that your, yep. uh, yep. that, well, you, you, you had been to, um, I guess the wrap in uh, Florida, right? So now that, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I've been to the one in Orlando. Uh, I mean, you know, but it's 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 so good to see all the friends, you know, that that I'm so used to seeing in these, these shows, you know, because for about two years we weren't able to see anybody, and just to you know, like, just have that that you know outlet, like that you know place of release where you know we could all just meet, talk, and have fun, and just share ideas, and then just have a few laughs, you know. It was just a it was, I think it was something that everybody needed, yeah. you know, and then it was, it was good for the hobby. Yeah. Hopefully we don't go back to the way it was uh, a year ago, you know, hopefully, hopefully things, uh, uh hopefully still not. Head in that hopefully direction. Not. So what, um, what kind of caught your eye in the, the, the last couple of uh, shows there in terms of, you know, new gear out in the market, any, any, um, impressions in terms of things that are new to the market that, that were revealed during those shows? Um, during the Orlando, the the Neptune uh, released the the sky. Uh, sky was something that was interesting. I haven't had the chance to get a hands-on experience with them to like take it apart and compare it to different lights. 
but you know the the their marketing, you know, words as well as you know, like when I was talking to Terrence and, and a few other people there, it it sounded very promising. So I was I was excited for them. Um, one thing that I wish that they were there, but that wasn't there, was also CoralView. Uh, CoralView's Hydro's uh, controller system is something that I reported even before they came out, and it was like amount. I ha- I have one of their controllers and amount of updates that they do based on the customer feedback has been just astounding. Amount of work that they put on, yeah, it's been just phenomenal, you know? And, like, you know, I had a little bit of doubt because, you know, like, I had Apex for over, over, I don't know, over 10 years. It's always like, like, can they really reach that that, that level? But, you know, like, I was pleasantly surprised, you know? And I really look forward to uh, seeing them and then kind of, like, dig their brain and see, you know, like what they have new that they haven't released yet. So I have an idea of what to yeah. expect because, <laughs> you know, that's what these things right. are all about. You know, like you try to get the new information from them, you know? So it's, it's something that I look forward to seeing them, you know, in Chicago, that's where Carlos is from. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it an effort to, uh, to finagle uh, Carlos when I see him in Chicago. Yeah. When's the wrap <laughs> in uh, Chicago? What, uh, what's the date on? In a month. In a month in time. And, uh, it's in October, but I, I don't know the exact date on top of my head. I think we're like 40 days ahead yeah. or something like that right now. 40 yeah. days out. Um, oh, and also one thing that was cool that I've been also following was uh, GHL's Ion yeah. Director. You know, like using Ionic probes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's something, it's not new uh, in terms of technology. However, it is very new for our, our hobby. So I was interested to see. And then, you know, like they've been, they've been redesigning and, you know, like calibrating and then just you know just they, they've been just fine-tuning it for yeah. so long now i'm just really to see it to see it work at the shows and something because that's the only time i get to see it you know in action so i'm like i'm like Vinny, do this make it do this Vinny, do this matthias tell us to do this you know it's it's you know it's like and then picking their brain and why it's taking so long and then you know because and then they're they're such a great people you know so i was like can you can i open it and then like you know we open it dissect it and see what's in it see the guts and how it works it's it's one of the beauties of the the trade shows that I really trust. Yeah, I actually have two uh, ion directors that uh, are are coming my way, and hopefully, hopefully, um, in a couple of oh. months, I'll uh, I'll get my hands on them. But uh, yeah, no, they've been they've been fine tuning and tweaking and and what have you. I think um, the right. uh, the timeline for people that made uh, pre orders it's it's uh, probably two or three months for pre orders and and four months for people that I saw the yeah, letter. Yeah, four months for people that place uh, new orders. I'm I'm definitely uh, pretty stoked to be able to uh, put away my Salifert uh, calcium and magnesium and nitrate uh, test kits and and have that more uh, automated. It'll 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 it's 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 definitely uh, going to be strange though. I mean that's kind of like part of my routine in terms of breaking out those uh, hobby grade test kits. But I'll tell you what, with the uh, the KH right, director right. and I know uh, you know there's other folks that use like the Alcatronic and and uh, you know you got the Trident and all, all that sort of thing. But uh, hey man, that you know it. It's a it's a beautiful thing to have that automatic uh, measurement. I'm not the type though. I'm not it the really type is. though that um, that likes to use those things as a controller though. I like to take in the data. No, and, me too. Uh, if, if Jake yep. Adams was watching, he, he'd be uh, probably commenting, "I am the controller," and and uh, you know that that's my philosophy too. Yep. <laughs> I don't like to go. Yeah, that's that sounds exactly like him. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to get too uh, too automated. So what else, man? What else is going on in the reef? Well, besides that, I mean, I've been, I've been, 
figuring out figuring out volunteering, educating, and stuff like that. Um, eventually, um, I'm going to look into having another aquaculture exhibit. Uh, I don't know if I if I told you previously before, but uh, uh, last year, but um, we I have a teamed up with Frost Museum of Science in Miami. It's right next to Miami Heat Arena, Patricia and Phillips uh, Frost Museum. And uh, we have 100% aquaculture uh, exhibit there. And then everything from there is man-made, including the inverts. Um, you know, like we have, you know, rocks or real reef rocks, and all the corals are aquaculture. All the fish is captive bred. And we came up with the uh, you know, videos, graphs, and everything like that. Um, so the, all the kids, you know, like it just exposes, you know, like people that's not in the hobby, you know, but the, you know, like a lot of people that's outside the hobby and to see the, you know, we're not really pillaging and raping the ocean. Like, you know, like some propagandas are leading you to believe, you know, there's so much advance, advancements in the hobby that, that we are actually contributing, you know, you know, like, I mean, for example, you know, Biota is having that um, Australian flathead, you know, purchase. You know, I mean, you know, like they were, you know, that their juvenile terms, like where they had that long, you know, strings or along their bodies and stuff, it's never been really documented or seen, you know, in the wild, you know. But I mean, because you know Todd Gardner from you know Biota in North, North Carolina facility, he's doing it now. Everybody, you know, like we, we science scientists, they know about it now, you know. So you know, it's something that I want to um, advocate more for. I'm I'm a very strong advocate for um, aquaculture. So it's something that I want to educate more people on. And so that's another thing that, that I'm going to eventually look into once everything, you know, it's slowed down a bit. Uh, Jordan Hernandez comment. Uh, you just mentioned um, Frost. Hire me to work at Frost Museum in the Coral System with a uh, smiley face. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know some people there. So if you have a resume, send it my way and then um, I'll pass so it on. How, uh, how are the tanks at home though, doing there, man? How are things going with the uh, personal tanks? It's, it's doing great. Um, like uh, my Elos tank um, is doing fantastic. Um, but, you know, like as with any new tanks, there has been a little bit of growing pains here and there, you know, like mainly like diatoms, you know, dinoflagellates and a little bit of cyano. I mean, I have ungodly amount of flow in there. However, there's still a little bit of cyano yeah. that came, um, but I was able to get eliminate all of them now. And, and I think it's in the right tracks. I've been also dosing a little bit of uh, Captivate Aquaculture's trace elements, uh, trace metals, I'm sorry. And then that actually helped out a lot, uh, you know, because being too clean, you know, like in metals, uh, you know, in anything, if it's too clean, I don't think it's, it's, it's the right way. And we do like, you know, like they all have a purpose in, in, our, in our tank and to, to have uh, to mimic the, the natural amount that, that's found in the ocean as much as we can is, I think, is crucial. So once I introduced a little bit of metals back into my system, it's just everything is starting to flourish now. My LCS so you, you introduced metal. So you were uh, essentially zeroed out on all the uh, metals in your system and you've supplemented and that's yep. improved things. Yep. I mean, you know, like things like, you know, you know, you have gonoporas, right? Gonoporas and trachees and, you know, like endophilias and such, you know, if you, if you bottom out of manganese and such, I mean, it's going to suck. You know, I mean, you're not going to maybe not notice it, but I mean, it's not going to be thriving the way it should but you add a little bit of manganese boom you know and you know like if you have a i know you have a pexabellum but if you borrow bottom out in iron 
then you don't you won't have any algae growth even if you have yeah. nutrients in your system you know and then you could even possibly even even create a dino you know <laughs> but you know it's it's but you know like you dose a little bit of iron and then that just puts things back into you know into the gear so i mean it's, i think everything has a place well you know my philosophy in terms of uh, my thinking in terms of what we got going on today is that uh, things have become much harder in the hobby these days because the equipment is so much better than it used to be in years past. It's we've got so you know the skimmers are so powerful. The uh, the uh, the algae scrubbers yep. are, are so powerful and and reactors or whatever and and uh, yep. the you know the filtration devices. So it's really stripping out nutrients uh, much more than what we were used to in the past. So you know I never remember ever like dealing with right. uh, dinos many many years ago or cyano and all that stuff. But today. If you don't have that stuff, right. something's going, you know, something's wrong, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I mean, you know better and you have a lot of, uh, you know, microfauna in your system, you know, like how you did with your new system with all the live rocks and such, right? So, I mean, you know, if you go dry and, and whatnot and you do have a bottom-down nutrients and stuff like that, then, yeah, that's, you know, you'll have, you'll run into some issues. But, you know, if you have the, the like I said, if we're trying to mimic the natural ocean, Right. And so if you have the live rock that has all the founders of the, the, the ocean, then you'll go through a little less issues. My this is my humble yeah. opinion. <laughs> hey, well, listen, if it, you know, I, I think there's a uh, there's a saying out there. It's always something with reef keeping. Right. There's always something going on that you got to deal yeah. with. This is uh, this is. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but that's why we love it, right? We love the challenge. Absolutely, you know, a lot, a lot of times you get punched and you hit the floor, <laughs> but you got to get right back up and go for it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, absolutely Richard, right. man. Well, listen. Um, unless, uh, unless you have anything else uh, you wanted to uh, talk about, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. I uh, just wanted to really thank you again for for being a guest on on the show. The uh, the Clean Waterways project sounds like an awesome project, and like we were talking about before, I think folks, if uh, we could at least spread some awareness about this type of technology that's out there that's going on in Fort Lauderdale, it seems to really be uh, you know doing the trick and being you know beneficial. So it's it's another option there. It's another tool in the toolkit in terms of fighting this uh, problem in terms of the uh, the pollution in our environment. So uh, kudos to you, Richard, in terms of what you've been doing on that front. Really, thank you very much for that. Thank you for having me, Keith. It's always a pleasure to see you. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this live stream. I want to thank uh, Richard again for being a guest. And I also want to thank Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for being a sponsor and supporting the show. And I also want to thank all you folks out there that have been uh, tuning in and watching tonight. So my next live stream is going to be Next Thursday, September 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we've got Dr. Tim Hovenek from Dr. Tim's Aquatics on the show. So uh, come prepared with your questions. Should be another uh, great show. But until then, be safe, be well, and we will see you next time.